Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And I have an old friend here on the line with us today, Mr. Jay McConville. Jay, I think we were just talking about that. We've known each other for, gosh, it's been a little over 20 years. A real, yeah, a really, a really long time, you know, back in the collaboration space when it was uh, just getting started. And so, why don't you take a minute tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do over there at Privia? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Jay McConville here. So I'm the president and CEO of Privia, which is we like to call the proposal company, and we do collaborative software, as you mentioned, uh, for proposal management teams and program management. In that, I came to Privia after a long career of doing government contracting for the big companies in the space as well as some small businesses so i've done i don't know how many thousands of proposals and billions of dollars in proposals but uh i brought that capability to privia uh to help them you know really get get uh, make sure that they have their customer per- first and foremost in mind uh as they continue to design the tools that we all need yeah yeah and it's it's so cool that we connected after all this time i know you know we a lot of people meet in the army or right after the army and do their thing and work together. And then some people never see each other again. And, you know, you're back in this space and, you know, we've been in it for a while and uh, it's just nice to connect with people that you've worked with in the past. So you, I don't know if you know this, you're the first sales director I ever worked for back in the day. So you, yeah, right. you, you introduced me to the dark side. And so <laughs> that, that was, uh, I never looked back. I was like, Ooh, this is fun. So it was so much fun getting involved in that. So I, I appreciate that you taking the chance uh, on, on me back in those days. So that was a lot of fun. It's great to, to reminisce a little because it's so much related to what we wrote in the book. Uh, yeah. Game Changers and, and really think back into the 90s when, I mean, I'm older than you, Mike, but I remember when we first got 
email. I remember when we first got connected at all yeah. on the internet, you know, on a, on a regular basis. And then very quickly we started to field collaborative tools, which by which we meant the ability for people to work online together. And it's just been amazing to see the progress of that over these decades uh, to get to where we are now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so wild. I mean, I remember when I first got in the Army at, uh, it was, you know, 2nd Armored Division at the time, and they give us this track vehicle with computers that, like, you know, it has, like, you know, 10 kilobytes of RAM or something. I don't know. It's something ridiculous. And it, mm-hmm. it's like four refrigerators. And they're like, take that out and put some laptops in. And uh, we're going to show you how to send files through FTP. You know, you got <laughs> you got to go command line FTP to send a file so that you can go from one computer to the other. And it was like, wow, this is amazing stuff, you know. And uh, they weren't even using email on, on some of the old ASAS systems back in those days. So it was it was pretty wild. So, yeah, times have changed a lot. And you talk about this a lot in the Game Changers book. Uh, for people that don't know, Game Changers for Government Contractors, the book is out there on Amazon. Uh, Jay wrote a really, really great chapter uh, on proposals and collaboration in there. You can go check that out. But why don't you kick us off with talking a little bit about what has changed most significantly in the proposal industry over the last 25 years? Well, that's a great question, and I think it's important for people to get perspective over a long period of time because I think some folks entering the industry today uh, may not really understand what the very largest change has been, and that is the introduction of collaborative technologies uh, into the working processes of the proposal development effort. if you, we've mentioned in the book, uh, and I work with Cheryl Smith, she, she is also a, a very experienced proposal manager, and she and I wrote the chapter together. Uh, Cheryl uh, talks about typewriters and wall walking and all these other things that we did commonly back in the day. Uh, those things still occur, but what we didn't have then was the kind of ability to share information and collaborate, especially instantly, and to do that over any distance and across time zones and to be able to organize ourselves in a non-physical format uh, where we didn't have to be present with each other. That to me has been the biggest change. Lots of other things have changed too that are important, but because I've been in the industry since you know the 90s, uh, I've seen that change happen and it's been a massive change. It, we still have a, a good ways to go, uh, but I think that proposal management teams today are able to leverage a capability that we couldn't even dream about uh, when I first started doing doing this business. Yeah, it, it, it is so drastic. I mean, I, I still consider myself young. I'm in my early 40s, and I but I've seen so much in 20 years on how it's changed from, you know, we were talking about FTPing files, but I still remember having generals that were like, they couldn't grasp the the digitization of the maps and stuff on these screens and they just get frustrated and they put stickies on it, you know? And like, cause, cause that was the world they came from. Hey, I'm just going to take some stickies and, you know, draw my little icons on there and put those and move those around one at a time uh, because it was such a jump. And I think that's where you do have people of all ages in here doing this stuff and, and the technology has changed drastically. And, you know, that's where, again, you and I connected with a collaboration tool. And I think when we started working in the late 90s on collaboration, it, it was almost a new word 
that people didn't really understand in the terms of digital collaboration. Like they understood collaborating as in working together, but not in a digital space. I mean, that was not to to use the term all the time, but that was really a game changer thinking of how do we do this digitally, like you said, across time zones. I remember with the product we were selling back then, watching special forces teams collaborate online in different areas with aircraft and, you know, support and different things like that to change directions to, you know, plan rescue missions, things like that. And it was blowing people's mind that you could do this stuff, you know, in a talk in DC, but you're also talking to an aircraft, you know, in Afghanistan or wherever it was through the tool. And, and I, I remember a special mission uh, around that where it was like everybody's like, this just changed the game. It just changed the game, right. being, able, being able to talk in all these ways. And we're talking in the 90s. And so the yeah. technology is so different now. And, you know, you talk a lot about collaboration at, at Privia and in your Game Changers chapter. What do you think um, or, or why do you think this is so key to successful business development and proposal development? Yeah, so I think it's it's key because it brings your whole team to the problem set, which is, and the problem set is how do we win this, right? So it mm. brings everybody to it. And it does it in a, a way that is truly collaborative. So let me go back a little. The, the big revolution that happened was the ability to transit data across distance. And it was, you know, it's kind of in a way a high-end capability of the telephone or telegraph, right? I can now send a document across the lines to you. You could receive it. It was one way, and then maybe you send it back, right? Um, that was a huge change that we could send the digits, and uh, and people had a big issue. Some people had a big issue adapting to that. But now it's not that. I send you something, you send it back. It's that we go to a place, a virtual place online, and we work together as if we were in the same space. And the interaction is continuous and ongoing, and it is collaborative, and there's relationship that develops there. And that's been the second part of that big change. And why that's so important is in the business development process, you have all these players. So you have business development people up front who are looking at long-term opportunity development, right? So they're meeting with clients, they're they're looking at requirements, they're saying, you know, what's going to happen a couple years from now? And they might work business development efforts for some years. I mean, I know that I've worked one, I like to talk to all the time, for nine years. Now, we Mm. did some proposals along the way, but over nine years, I gathered so much knowledge. It would be a, such a shame to not leverage that with the proposal team who just got called yesterday because the draft RFP came out and they are just now entering into this process. You you've got to you've got to bridge that gap and have them work together. And that that's why it's so important because if you do that, if you can successfully do that, you have your business development or your salespeople uh, interacting and in, interfacing with your capture team, the people who are very specific on the particular opportunity, and then the proposal team, and all the players who just come into the proposal team just to contribute something small, if they can all be on the same wavelength, they can all be in the, have mind share, mm. they can direct the proposal and win. Yeah, no, it's super important. You know, the another thing that I see about this that's really changing the game, and I know some people are gonna be like, hey, we've been doing this for years. Yes and no. 
I mean, I still talk to a lot of people that try to do things very old fashioned in the way they do it. They're not using tools. They're not using even even simple things like Dropbox. They're still using primarily email. Email is not really collaboration. That is, as you put it, you know, it's sending the digits back and forth, but it's not real collaboration on on a project. But, you know, one of the things that that I see a lot of businesses struggle with is saying, well, you know, how does this apply to me if I'm small? You know, I see it applying to the to the big folks. And it, to me, I mean, I'll let you talk about that in a second. But, you know, the thing that I see is if you're small, it's really hard to get good people. And it's really hard to get good people in the city you're in. So, like, you may be able to find a really good proposal person, but, you know, they're in Tampa and you're in D.C. And you can't afford to relocate them. So do you just walk away from that person or do you find a tool that allows you to work together in a room that's like they're in D.C. with you? You know, to, to me, that's part of the game changer is being able to, you know, afford the staff, the best staff, regardless of what city they're in, regardless of what time zone they're in, because you have a tool that now makes it like you're working in the same room versus, you know, again, saying, well, we can't afford Stephanie. Um, so we're going to have to move on to the second best proposal writer. You know, that's what everybody wants to hear, right? Well, we couldn't afford the best. So we got the second or third or fourth best person to bring in on our team. That That's not what you want. So now you've lowered your chances of, of even creating a coherent proposal because you don't have the best people on your team. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a great point and it impacts small businesses. I think that you're right. Uh, we, we tend to see email still as the preferred method of quote collaboration which i agree with you it's not really collaboration and there's all kinds of problems with it i mean email is a great app but it did it that's not what it's good for it's not good for fostering team working uh it's you know it's good for sending stuff around and that impacts small businesses because they think well this is all we can do and i can tell you that that's not true uh yeah. it is actually very achievable for a small business to take advantage of this revolutionary technology just by changing their mindset and their processes to be more collaborative, it is very easy to, you know, be able to get on, uh, for example, I don't want to you know, not talk about Privia today so much, but, you know, get into a collaborative workspace on Privia on our small business cloud server and, in, and invite consultants and 1099 folks and a SME from across the country to participate in a proposal with you. It's it's a lot easier than sending everybody email. So, right. Uh, I could I could tell you that. So there, you know, what we said in the book is, you know, there's a lot of new, even revolutionary technology that came out, uh, but but that technology presents unique challenges, and mm. I think small businesses can can take advantage of uh, being able to do those type of things to to get a competitive advantage over those who don't. Yeah. Uh, so they shouldn't be scared away. Uh, I also wanted to point out that this gig economy that is emerging is really exciting to me. I think the proposal industry is ripe for this type of working. Uh, I work, uh, our company is collaborative. I have clients in, all over the world. We work together all the time. In the proposal space, why would a small company uh, be, feel like they had to invest in full-time people for every proposal and keep them on staff when they're not writing a proposal? when they can collaboratively reach out to experts across the industry and get with them in a 
in a few hours and, and, you know, move on and do one project together. Right. Uh, we use free, freelancers. We use uh, SMEs. We use consultants. And we have partners here at Privia who are proposal people who go from job to job, company to company. And that's the way they want it. Uh, and, of course, it, it brings great benefit to the companies, too, to, to address particular problems. So I need a specialist in this. Let me go get one. Instead of saying, "Well, I can't bid that because I, you know, I didn't hire somebody two years ago to do it," right. so the gig economy is really exciting in the collaborative space. But the, but the warning is, of course, you, you've got to adjust your processes. You've got to—I hate to say what—you will. I'll use an old army phrase. You know, we, we got to. You got to get with the program. Yeah. And uh, just just realize that this is here. It's now. And you can take advantage of it, but you got to do it. Yeah, and and so we, we've been using the the gig economy phrase uh, a lot here. But for those that don't know, could you give them like the the one liner on on what that is? Yeah, well, I'll just say it this way: There's people out on the the network uh, that is that have robust access to it that you can leverage against any problem that you can think of. And there's a lot of people who are realizing that they want to be part of this. Uh, what we used to call consultant environment, but they're just, they're working on projects without having to work for a big company yep. and do the same thing all the time. And that's how I see it. I mean, it's probably more technical than that, but you know, you've got people who are working from home that is rising at an uh, amazing pace. Uh, people who uh, are remote workers and they can work on a project anywhere. I did a project. It was a marketing project with someone and the person who executed the project bid on it for me and won that was in the Philippines. And we wow. did another one where the person was in Pakistan. And, you know, it was, you know, some marketing and, and graphics creation, but I got the best person for the job and we executed that in a couple of days. Yeah. That, that's how I see the gig economy. Yeah. And, and it's, it's incredible. You know, I live in a really small town in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, but I have a fiber line at my house. So I can, I can have an upload of up to a gig right here at my house and I'm in the middle of nowhere. So if you're in a big city, I've looked at some at moving to some of the bigger cities and that's almost a standard now. So, you know, your speed is blazing fast, whether it's, you know, video uploading documents, data, any of that kind of stuff. It's, it really is changing. And I think what we're seeing that's interesting in that whole gig economy concept is it's not just say a new generation. So like, you know, your 18 to 20 year olds, it's not just them. It's people in their forties and fifties that are saying, you know, I have this experience, but I don't want to be tied down to a company. Just like you said, I, I want to be able to leverage this, but when I'm done with the job, I want to walk away and go on vacation for three weeks. Yep. That's what I want to do. Or uh, a friend of mine uh, over at Govology, he's got an employee who decided she wanted to live the next year on the road. So she signed up for one of those programs. You pay a bunch of money and they set you up in different uh, cities around the world. And so every month you move to a different city where, you know, they have high speed Internet and whatever. And that's that's what she's doing. She wants to live all over the world and and stick you know, with, with doing what she's doing. And so it's a very fascinating time for people. And, uh, you know, it's, there's so much flexibility. So what do you think you, you hinted at this a little bit earlier about some of the challenges with the technology? Do you see this impacting more of the big businesses? Do you see it impacting, um, slow adopters? Like, where do you see some of the challenges with trying to get into a collaborative space like this? 
let me just quote a statistic to start. I think it was Gardner, and I think I get it right, is they said by 2022, about 50% of, of mid-sized and large businesses will have content collaboration platforms available to their employees. That just blows my mind, because I, I, I would think it's like 100% now. Yeah. Right? So the, the challenge is implementation uh, of the technology itself, uh, you know, making that choice, moving forward, getting something solid and stable and something that your employees want to use, uh, and then the challenge is implementing the workflow processes that make the most out of that technology. If, if you put a collaborative tool in and then you just do an email, then, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not getting what you could get out of it. Uh, so, you, you know, those are the really two challenges. But the good news is, you know, we have a new workforce. You know, I'm, I'm older, right? So I'm, I'm in my mid-50s and, um, you know, I do gig economy work all the time. But by the way, I was going to joke, I mean, you and I just wrote a book together, and I didn't even know you were in Illinois. Look at that. So yeah, yeah exactly. Where you are physically, right? So, uh, but but now the workforce really is digital natives, and we talk about that in our chapter. So the time is now because the people coming into the workforce and people who are growing professionally in their own careers in the workforce are digital natives. They're they're social. They're multitasking. They're intuitive learners, uh, and they don't like wasting time. And right. they want to have access to their work requirements from anywhere, anytime, um, and you know want to work together online when they need to. So that that's the good side. But you know, yes, implementation. You've got to do it. You've got to uh, get the technology. You've got to make the decision to field it, and then you have to adjust your workflow uh, to ensure that you're making the most out of it. Yeah, I I think that is one of the biggest things because I, I think a lot of people use any tool, regardless of what it is, when they first start using it, they kind of use it like they do Microsoft Word. You know, Microsoft Word supposedly has like 20,000 features and we use like a tenth of 1% or something of the features. I find new stuff in Word and Excel all the time that like, hey, I didn't even know it did this and it can do these things. And we're just talking about what I would consider a a dumb tool. Like it, it doesn't have a lot of the capability. Now, somebody on here is probably saying, you just don't understand how to use Word because if you did it with this, it would do all these cool things. I'm sure it does. Um, but I think that's the, the the challenge for most people is the workflow piece. And you talk about implementing workflow within collaborative tools. You talk about that in the chapter. You know, talk a little bit more about, you know, what can workflow do for an organization and how is it implemented in the proposal process? Yeah, great. So we talk about two big steps in the proposal process that move from business development into when you submit your proposal. And the first one is intersection, and that's where the information is transferred, if you will, from your team who's been working it to the new people who are coming on to write your proposal. And the second one is the interplay. So after that information is available, then then you have to interact around that information. So that so that there's mind share and actual exchange. You know, you can you can read something, but that only gets you so far. If you actually talk to somebody about what they wrote, uh, then then you really get it. So those two, intersection and interplay, uh, move along a continuum from the time an opportunity becomes real until you submit. So workflow, which is part of Privia uh, and a part we really try to get people to use, helps your team automate their movement across that continuum. So you have processes. Everybody does. Some, some people use a standard process. Some people make up their own. But they said, this is what we're going to do. We've proven and vetted this process to say if we do this, it helps us do it right. And so you want to implement your processes in your software. 
so that when something happens, notifications go out, meetings are scheduled, tasks are put onto the calendar, and then you can track them. And, and as things get done, you, you continue to move your team along the process until you know, they successfully su submit the proposal. That's workflow. And we have a tool in uh, Privia called Process Designer, uh, and we also do this as a service, is to help you take paper processes that you might have in PowerPoint or something and put it into the software so that when you launch a proposal effort, you, you know, it's not just a repository of documents. You launch the proposal effort and things start to happen. Meetings get scheduled, people get notified, uh, tasks are tracked and ex executed. So th that's workflow. It's very, very important. It's, it's really great once you have it in place because, one, you're, you're using the process that, you know, that if you believe in it, you're, you know, you're using your process and that should bring you more success. Uh, but two, you're able to track your process and see where you are so you can do more proposals because you're more organized. And, and thirdly, and you know, kind of in selfish mode, it takes a lot of the drudgery off your plate. You know, right. Why do I have to send an email to 50 people when I just, you know, it, something happens and then they all get a message that says this is happening now. So yeah. those, that's very important in workflow uh, in processes to facilitate that intersection inter, um, and the interplay amongst your team. Yeah. And I've always found whenever I start working with a new client, one of the first things we do, regardless of whether it's proposal or sales or whatever it is, is, you know, let's map out your process. What do you do? What is your yeah. workflow? Because if you've got your workflow wrong, you're going to create issues. So to, to me, working on this step initially when you're setting up a tool will help you discover, hey, this, oh yeah, this is probably why we only win, you know, 10% of our proposals because we don't have these three steps included in, in our process. Or once it gets to this step, nobody really knows what to do. So we're really winging it from here forward. And I, and I know people think that, hey, you know, it's, it's 2020 when we're recording this. This stuff is so simple. There's been, you know, how many hundreds or thousands of books written on proposals and processes. And there's all kinds of techniques, whether, you know, you're using color-coded proposal process or, you know, name it whatever you want types of processes. And yet, actually implementing and using those is what falls short every time. Every time when I talk to people, they're, they're not actually, they know about it, but they're not implementing it. And that's where they drop the ball. And so I think taking it out of a human's hand to a degree and putting it into a system that is, you know, coordinating the work is probably one of the best things you could ever do for your process. So. I, yeah, I agree. And we always say at Privia that it, you need to automate things that are good to be automated. Yeah. And not try to automate things that shouldn't be automated. Right. So there are uh, people who have attempted and there are tools out there to attempt to auto create your proposal. Right. So I push a button, I answer all the questions and I get a document. I mean, those tools have a place and I think they're important. You know, we, we draw from databases. We team with uh, DocuSign for a lot of that. And, you know, you want to be able to bring data forward, not saying that you don't want to do that. You do. But in your workflow, what you're doing is you're facilitating this collaboration amongst your team for those things that humans do best. You know, what mm. does the customer really want? You're not going to find that in a database somewhere. Right. So what you do is you automate those things that are good to be automated, sending meeting notices, uh, 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 you know, moving a document from one stage to the other stage, 
or in Privia, for example, we you don't have one process, right? You might have 10 or 20 processes in your in your workflow that say, okay, this is an IDIQ contract for the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, here's the contract. So that this has a particular process. So I'm going to use that process. So now I have a tailored process at my fingertips that creates the the folder structure, places templates in the right folder, alerts the writers that they have a you know a task to do, sets up the the, you know, the red team meeting and all that stuff happens automatically. Now you can spend your time thinking and writing to the requirement instead mm -hmm. of setting up folders or, you know, getting your calendar together. <laughs> we yeah. that, use Excel. I'm sure you've done this. Use Excel. Like, okay, here's the due date. Here's where we are today. Let's try to determine how many days after, you know, and people get, they don't, don't want to do that. Right. It's right. Like, you know, that's that's really a you know a very rote task. I'm not going to do it. So you end up without a calendar. Whereas in, in workflow, you push a button, you got a calendar. Boom. Now you can adjust yeah. it, but it's there, right? So right. You automate what should should be automated. Yeah, I, I like using that term. You know, automate what should be automated because there's just some things that you just can't replace a person on. But there's some things that your person's time is more valuable than creating a calendar or or whatever it is. You know, it's it's a it's a critical event that needs to happen, but I don't need to do it. Exactly. You know, that, that, that's, that's the, the big deal. Advantage, I'm sorry. The other advantage is if you do it in workflow, if you do it in the software, if you will, you can then track it. You know, mm. I don't have to call you and say, hey, did you do this? You know, it's tracked. I can look at reports. I can see where everybody is along where the process is along its, its maturity um, because those, those kind of, tasks that you'd like to automate they become reports they become data items in your in your environment so uh, yeah. yeah workflow is critical i think you automate your communication and get real-time status and that and that's what we put in the chapter in game changers is that those are the you know that's how you get a process to work for you yeah. put it in place automate the communications wherever possible and then get real-time status of it yeah and and i would say for a lot of people listening there there's going to be somebody on your team, not every team, but I've been on teams like this where it doesn't matter how cool the software is. They don't want to check it. They don't want to use it. You really got to work with that person and show them the advantages of it because they, I've been on teams where somebody will say, hey, did you do X, Y, Z? Hey, is this here or there? Like you can go check it, Bob. <laughs> you know, just just pull this up. It's right there. It's faster for you to go check it than for you to send me an email and for me to reply yes. Like it's faster for you to do it on your own, you know? And they're like, well, I don't like doing it that way. Well, you're slowing down the whole thing and making us less productive. But yeah, there's a better way to say it than I just did. But, you know, it's being able to communicate the value to that person who is having trouble adopting it on how it can make their life easier when they use the system and look within it for some of those answers. Because those answers are at their fingertips 24 7 so like you said when somebody I, I kicks think, off the calendar it's there and, and i think workflow does assist in that because i your point is exactly right uh, you and i worked together years ago and i don't know if you were involved in this but we did a test of the software and we put the collaborative system in front of somebody from the client organization and they were testing it and and the guy was sitting at the workstation he had his arms crossed across his chest and like, okay, well, here's the collaborative tool. And he goes, well, what if I don't want to collaborate? And he wouldn't touch the keyboard, you know, yeah. he was being kind of ornery. Yeah. And, and, and uh, he was making a point. It's like, you know, I don't want to collaborate. So why is this tool doing anything for me? So you do need to, to talk 
to your team, you know, what the benefits are. You need to bring people along culturally. Uh, but once they see a, a workflow working in their benefit, uh, they, they tap on. I mean, at Privia, yeah. we do a lot of quotes as you can, proposals, you might imagine. And, you know, I'll be in my car in a parking lot outside an airport, and I'll go do my uh, red team comments in, you know, an hour uh, while I wait for my flight or something. And I didn't talk to anybody, uh, but I'm having a conversation online with, you know, four mm -hmm. other people who are writing at the same time. You know, it's on my time. It's when I can do it, um, and and yet I'm still getting interplay, still getting collaboration. Yeah. That's that's in my benefit. I don't have to get to the office and you know sit in a meeting, you know eat donuts and you know right. uh, waste all that time. So yeah. that's the key. Make sure that it's there's a benefit to everybody. Obviously, there's a benefit to the organization, but you've got to you've got to get everybody on board. Get yeah. On board. yeah, I mean, it really is when you're doing anything new, it, it really doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a new tool you're introducing, but especially when you're impacting real day to day workflow in an organization, you really have to have an internal marketing plan for getting people on board, like getting people sold on why, you know, what are those reasons? And, you know, that's something we don't talk about a whole lot, but you know, yes, some people could say, well, they're my employee. They'll do whatever the hell I tell them to do. Mm, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You know, they they will say they will. They'll nod their head. But sometimes, you know, you look behind the scenes and it's not working that way. And so, again, I'll, I'll just say that one more time. You know, you really do need an internal marketing campaign with information, with data slicks, whatever it is whatever it takes to communicate why this is so important, how it's going to change their life, make it better and how it's going to impact the company. Cause I think a lot of people just say, well, this is going to make us better and we're going to win more contracts. Well, how does that impact me? Right. You know, you know how does that impact my me? Life, how does it make my life better? Right? Yeah. How does it make my life better? <laughs> That's important. Yeah. You know, how, so what if the company makes more money? How does that impact, you know, Joe Schmo at the end of that proposal and there's a lot of ways, but we have to communicate those ways or else he's not going to use it, you know, or he's not going to use right. it to the fullest extent. And that's where we're really going to get the bang for our buck. So we're talking a lot about, you know, collaboration tools here. And, you know, you've mentioned, you know, some of the different ones out there, you know, the, the fill it out, push and go, which I am not a fan of that. Uh, like you said, I do think they have their place. But, um, you know, for the person listening today, you know, what can you tell them about, you know, the, the, what should they be looking for in a tool? So the collect the, the market is basically called the content collaboration market. And that is uh, where Privia fits in and the other tools fit in, but there are different aspects of this market. Uh, if you are thinking about bringing on a, a workflow and a centralized, uh, you know, storage and maintenance of your data, system, you really need to know what it is you're trying to accomplish at the end. If collaboration is your key, if you write proposals, for example, where you have a lot of interplay between the team, uh, you want to look at a, a, a tool that fosters that. But, you know, some industries, and I'm, I'm with you on the, the push and fill, some industries, uh, you know, they basically knock out, you know, 100 quotes a day or whatever. And, you know, so you, if that's the focus of your tool, then, then there's a, a segment of the market that does that. Uh, what we like to do is try to integrate that so that you can have an aspect of the 
document automation, uh, but also have this centralized content and collaborative tools and workflow associated with that, as well as you know all the other tools you need, like to be able to search the data that's in your environment, to control, to configuration manage and control your documents, to to make sure that you have integrated access control, so you know who's seeing what and who's allowed to see what, and so you know. So these are the different parts of the tool set that you need to look at and say, well, what, do I, what am I trying to accomplish? If, if all you're doing is making quotes off the product list, you may want to go with a tool that is really a database automation document production tool. Most organizations do a little of both. So what you're looking for is some type of automated tool. For example, in Privia, we do a, a lot of our clients do federal proposals, and a big piece of that is the creation of a resume volume. You know, you have to look through your organization to find out, you know, who's got these skills, and then you have to put their resumes into the proposal, uh, and it's got to be in a particular format, and, you know, you know, it's coming off their PDF or their Microsoft Word resume. So, so we have a tool uh, that we implement. We actually use do some DocuSign capabilities, CML, to, to uh, automate that so that you can basically say, here's the resume template I want. Here's the 10 people I searched for and found. They have what I need. I push a button. I add them to the list. I hit another button, and I have a template with their, all their data in, in the format already. Boom. So that's one part of a larger proposal effort that you would do. So it's very key to, to look at the kind of proposals and then see how, where the right type of automation is. And, and my advice is to go for an integrated solution because the other piece of the market is there are generic systems. And I think sometimes we mentioned Microsoft to think about SharePoint, right? It's very generic, right? And then there are specific systems who are oriented on a, a particular function, like writing a proposal. So there's a lot of tools in Privia that are proposal or program management specific that you won't find in the generic tool set. Um, so look at that too. You know, do I want something really generic? Uh, which might have its value to your whole organization, or do I want something more specific, or both? And if both, how do I integrate them together? Uh, it, it's not a huge challenge, but it is something you need to look at before you before you leap. Yeah, you know, and I, I think uh, really good points there. And, you know, I'll, I'll pick on SharePoint just because they were a competitor back in the day, and uh, I find that fun. But, uh, you know, when I look at SharePoint, that's a it is a generic solution that it requires development. Like you don't just go, yeah. oh, well, let's just plug it in and go like there's a lot of development and customization that happens in a solution like that where it's like it can do a lot, but it may not necessarily be built for that. So you've you've got to figure out, well, how much can it do out of the box? How much do I have to? customize where are we going to host it you know there's just there's all these things that have to happen to figure those types of things out so so understanding what you're getting is very important because i think a lot of people hear well hey a lot of our clients are using sharepoint so we need to use sharepoint if we're going to work with our clients or our teaming partners or you know our, our big systems integrator they use sharepoint so we've got to use that and it's like well is that the right solution for your company? You know, really go through that thought process and figure that out. So, you know, it's it's interesting looking back. A lot of things have changed very little over the last 25 years. A lot of things have changed a lot. But, you know, thinking about what you know now, where do you see this proposal industry going in the future? 
Yeah, I think that what we're going to see, and I think it's great, is we're going to see the industry spread out. It's going to become much more gig economy, as we talked about before. It's going to be much more uh, able to leverage knowledge bases that exist outside the brick-and-mortar uh, traditional corporate structure. Uh, and that's, that's going to enable companies who are, who are onto that to really play in a bigger space than they've ever been able to play before. So, so that's really good from an industry perspective. If I need an expert in systems engineering and I don't have one, in the new way of working, I have one. I have mm-hmm. 10,000 of them. I just have to, you know, just have the, the network to go ahead and find the right person and bring them on the team. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I, and so what does that bring with it? It brings with a continuous maturing of the team, of the uh, technology. Uh, we uh, are investing in making the systems easier to use. You know, you want to have all those core functions. <clears throat> How do you make it more intuitive? How do you make it easier to use? For example, our version that we're just about to release out of Privia uh, supports mobile application now. So you can you can use your iPhone to, to comment on a document uh, in mm. a red team review. You know, so just make sure it's more ubiquitous and easier to use. We, we eliminated the client application in the next release where everything is available through a browser only or on your mobile device. Mm. You don't have to install anything, right? So we're going to eliminate that, and that will continue. Um, the uh, the tools themselves will continue to be more interchangeable. So you'll be able to have different flavors of the same product where, well, I use this and this and that. I don't need those other things. Okay, great. Then that's what you've got. Um, you mentioned SharePoint. Wouldn't it be great to spend your development and IT dollars customizing uh, your specific function and your process and those kind of things, reporting, instead of building applications that already exist in commercial products, right? Mm. So spend the, the, the continue, as the products become more mature in their functionality, what you'll be able to do is customize them even more, you know, to your particular desire. So I want to have a network that looks like this. I want to have a, you know, my commenting tool be associated uh, with the calendar, you know, in some way or whatever. You can you can just come up with so many different ideas of how you can tie these modules together. Spend your resources there uh, because the mm. products themselves are becoming so much more robust. And then uh, eventually what, what, I'll see, what I would say is what you'll have is a really widespread, basically social network of people in the proposal world who will go from proposal to proposal around the world leveraging their expertise uh, being able to find each other and work together uh, using some integrated tools that probably come from multiple places but are able to be pop, uh, popped in, into a problem set uh, for great advantage. So that, that's where I see it going, and uh, it's starting to happen, and I think it's great because I've seen it from the very beginning when yeah. we had typewriters, and, man, the change is something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so wild. And, you know, I, I think the small business owner is the one who is – in the uh, driver's seat on a lot of this stuff. And I think it's going to make a huge difference to them more than it will big businesses initially. You know, the, these are the people that can be the, the fast adopters. They're already, you know, small and agile and able to just, you know, turn on a dime. And I, and I see a lot of these small business owners, if they were to start adopting this stuff, the faster they do, the better. 
you know, and it, it's going to drive it in a lot of other places. Some of these big companies can can drive it, but you know, it is it's it's kind of like trying to turn a cruise ship when you're in a big company. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't turn on a dime, and so but these small ones they can adopt this and just really take things to another level and and start winning. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. Start winning more. You know, when you look at, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And if you can only respond to 10 quality proposals a month because you're limited on time, then, you know, that's all you can do. So if you can find more time to continue to do quality proposals, you know, maybe you bang out 12 a month instead of 10 or 14 a month or whatever it is. And, and maybe while you're doing that, you get sharper at what you're doing and you win more. So your win rate goes up. And so it, it's just looking at it, how to work smarter instead of harder. Let's just put it that way. Smarter instead of harder. So good stuff, Jay. You know, any final thoughts for folks? Yeah, I'd just like to say that the market has really matured. And for folks who have not looked at content collaboration, I think it's a good time to be looking into it now. You get yourself away from the serial processes of the past. There are tools and capabilities out there and experts in the field who can help you implement it. And the benefits are really very high. You will re get great return on investment. I didn't mention this, but say, you know, you can get a collaborative tool for your whole organization for the cost of basically one red team meeting if you all meet physically. So, yeah. you know, return on investment is high. The, the quality that you'll have in your proposals is, is very much improved. Uh, and your people's work-life balance is going to be better, too, because they're going to be able to work when they need to, uh, and you're going to be able to leverage more people against every problem set. And, you know, get away from that old proposal way. We're just killing these people. Uh, you know, now we can really have a process that's mature. And as you said, you're, you know, you're knocking out 12 proposals a month, uh, where in the past you couldn't do that. So take a look, because the market is ready uh, for you to take advantage of it. Before we get out of here today, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you want to get more out of your government contracting business? Do you feel like you need an edge or some new insights? Are you just looking for maybe even some motivation in the right direction because maybe you're at a plateau? Well, if you said yes to any of those, maybe it's time you join Federal Access and you can start your journey with us today for free. Federal Access is our online training and education knowledge base for government contractors. There's everything you'll ever need to win government contractors in there, including support. But free members can start out with a couple of really basic awesome tools. One of them is our on-demand training videos called Strategy Playbooks. There's more than 60 training videos designed to boost your government skills by covering tips, strategies, market updates, and a whole lot more. And new videos are added monthly. So there's always new content coming in for our free members there. You can also get access to 12 key government sales templates and strategy documents to include a step-by-step -step market sales strategy document, a teaming and subcontracting questions to ask document, and two capability statement templates. So you can just plug in your information and rock and roll from there. So those uh, those tools right there are kind of a preview of everything that's in Federal Access. Overall, there's a little over 250 documents in the system right now, but you'll get access to those 12 key documents. You'll get access to the, the 60 plus playbooks and the growing library of that is. All you have to do is visit federal-access.com forward slash join. 
Uh, the link is also going to be in the description of this podcast, so you can go back later and click on that, but that's federal-access.com forward slash join. So again, if you're feeling stuck in your business, if you feel like you need an edge or some new insights, or you just feel like maybe there's some gaps of knowledge that you you, you just you don't even know what you don't know, right? Something along those lines, then join Federal Access today for free, federal-access.com forward slash join. Join today for free so you can get access to all of that cool content and see everything else in there that some of the paid members get. So you actually, there'll just be a little gold lock over the paid features and you can upgrade uh, whenever you like. Until next time, thanks for joining us on this episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to get notifications of new episodes. And while you're there, we would also appreciate it if you'd take a minute to write us an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app that is that you use. So thank you again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.